Macworld Podcast, special Macworld iWorld edition for Friday, January 27th. Welcome to the special edition of the Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. Throughout the week, we'll be posting audio versions of some of the sessions we present on the Macworld Live stage here at Macworld iWorld. In this session, Macworld Serenity Caldwell hosts me, Ted Landau, and Dan Frakes to discuss today's major Mac and iOS troubleshooting issues. During the session, we take questions both from the audience and from the world at large via Twitter. So the way this is going to go is we have some topics that we're going to talk about. And if you guys have any questions about the Mac, iOS, troubleshooting problems, we're going to try and do our best to answer them and hope we can help you out. Uh, So I've already introduced our lovely senior editor for Macworld, Chris Breen. And then we also have Ted Landau, who is here, who has written a lot extensively for Macworld and has also written... What have you written, Ted? You've written a couple books, right? Yes. I've written, I've written a few books over the years, all the way back to Sad Max, Bombs, and Other Disasters, and through iOS, uh, um, the Take Control book for iOS. So. Yes. And both of these lovely gentlemen host uh, Mac911 is their weekly blog on Macworld.com and in the, Macworld, in the Mac911 section in the Macworld magazine. Uh, so let's get started. I'm going to have Oh, a you, you of... might mention our, our Twitter feed. That's for true. For those, those yes, watching for those, at home. For those watching on the internets far and away, uh, we have a live Twitter stream going for questions. So if you write in with the hashtag Mac911Live, we could read those questions and we might even answer them while we're on the air right now. Uh, so without further ado, let's get started. Uh, the first topic of the day, uh, which I have on my iPhone here, is OS Lion. Uh, Mac OS X Lion uh, has a lot of wonderful features, and it's also left some people a little befuddled. You want to talk a little bit about that, Chris? Just about problems that people have been having and writing into Mac 911 about? Well, how many of you have moved to Lion? Okay, and how many of you are not completely satisfied with that transition? Okay, about half of the people who have, who have moved are, are going, okay. Now, I don't know about you, Ted, but I have found that with Lion, I have more permission problems than I think I've ever had with another operating system where I copy a, I'm file sharing, I copy a file over from Lion to maybe a Snow Leopard machine or the other way back, and then I'm told I do not have permissions. I look at the info screen, and apparently nobody, I mean, liter- quite literally, nobody owns this file, and I have to go in either using batch mod, which is a wonderful tool, or go into the info window and actually change the, the permissions so I can use this. And I think this is part of Apple locking down more of the OS so that new users don't get confused by it. And I think that's kind of the theme of Lion, is that Apple is locking down things more so that when power users try to do something like throw away the chess application, for example... If you try to throw away the chess application from the applications folder, you will be told that Mac OS X requires this application. Well, that's because the OS wants to play chess when it's not busy doing what you want it to do. (laughs) (laughs) So have you found that to be the case? Uh, I I have not. I I have certainly had the experience that you've had uh, about throwing things uh, out of the applications folder or any or any system or library folder is much much more once you're out of your home directory line is much more restrictive about letting you do those things than it was before i've not had any of those permissions problems i've certainly seen people write about them i mean i've heard about them before uh, you said it but uh, but i've never had any of those permissions problems myself so been that the probably the single and there are lots of things i've had difficulty with with line but one of the things as 
persisted in giving me problems is the is the duplicate and new way of saving with with versions as opposed to the old save as command. Uh, I mean, I understand that having a versions uh, backup can be convenient if you want to go back to the way a file was three or four days ago. It's sort of like a time machine for for your for each application. But there are lots of times that I just want to save as, and I find the whole duplicate thing to be annoying. Like to create this duplicate and have to decide a new title, and then I'm working, you know, with this document instead of the old one, uh, and I don't like it as much. So. Yeah. So, uh, how about you? Save as. Do we like duplicate, or do we? Okay. So how about you down a, there in the front? I'm going to come down with microphone. Yeah. One feature of it which Apple hasn't talked about, which I, which sort of redeems a lot of it is the ability to um, play with locking, locking versions, which is hidden in the time machine preferences. Uh, and, you know, you, you sort of find it if you, if you go around, but no right. one mentions that. And I find, for example, it lets me, you know, use a previous file as a template. You know, I know, you know, it locks after a day. And it sort of protects me when I go in a month later just to make a minor change. Mm. And, you know, it's a, it's a very soft... Locking in terms of, you know, do you really want to change it? But at least it gets you thinking, oh, yeah, I really want to use it as a template, and I'll yeah. do a duplicate and then a save. I really find, yeah, it's a few different keystrokes, but it's not that much different it's a, from save apps. Yeah, I'm, I, I think the locking goes hand-in-hand hand with, the, with the, the, new, because the new save. Because in the old system, nothing was saved until you said save. So you could make 100 changes to a document, and if you decide, oh, my God, this is not what I wanted to do, you could just close the document, and it would say, do you want to save your changes? You say no, and it goes back to the way it was before. Or you can do revert to save if the application has that command. But with, with Lion, it can be auto-saving every five minutes. And so before, I guess, the Apple's attitude is before it embarks on this auto-saving and possibly irrevocably, well, not irrevocably because you go back to the versions, but, but, but without it having to inconvenience you to go back to the way it was before, it wants you to unlock the document as a way of confirming that you really intend to make these changes. I, I agree with you, though. I mean, I try to disable that if I can. And to me, it's, yeah, to me, it's, it's I mean, asking me if I'm making an editing change to say I first have to unlock it, I don't know, it's... It, it's like sticking a key in my front door when I come home and turning the key and having a message say, are you sure you want to get in the house? You know, I mean, of course I want to get in the house. That's why I just unlocked the front door. You know, I, mean, I shouldn't have to confirm it again. So. Yeah, I think generally there's... Uh, mm. You know, you can change at least how long it, it goes before, before it does that. I, I think a day is the minimum, and I think you can go up to a week or I'm having a trouble hearing because the microphone isn't... Uh, you can, the thing is, you can change... the. You know, you know how how long you get before that lock dialog shows yes. up globally, and it's hidden down in time machines. Right. No right. one has written up written that up basically. Oh, I'm sure it's written up somewhere. Everything is written up somewhere. Well, yeah, but my point is, yeah. people who are having right, all these right. problems yeah. and all these complaints mm. working with that could mm. could could help help mm. them adjust it to their style of working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think generally one of the trends of of Lion is that. As a, as a long-time Mac user, and I, and I know many of you are and many people watching, is that we are accustomed to having complete control over our computer or, or an awful lot of it, and that Apple has taken that away. And I think what a lot of people want who've been using this for a while is the pro switch in settings where it disables a bunch of stuff like it locks the applications folder and you can't get rid of stuff. Or you want to be able to see your library folder within your user folder, but they've hidden it so you can't do other things. 
or this auto-saving thing. It's like, no, you know, I actually would like a save-as command, so please, I don't want to do the duplicate stuff. Or I don't really need um, Launchpad because I have 600 apps, and this is a totally stupid way for me to browse my Mac. I know that Apple is, is really looking at the new users, and particularly users who've come from this kind of device, and is trying to make it simple. But I... I resent is too too strong a word, but I will say that I wish that Apple had not locked me out from a lot of things. I know I can get in and do them if I really, really dig and try to do it, but I would just love to see that other layer where I can flip a switch that says, I know what I'm doing. If I lose anything, I promise I won't go into the Genius Bar and cry because it was my own fault, but please don't baby me so much that I can actually handle this kind of technology. Yeah, some of the things, I wish Apple would at least do that as a transition until the other developers work things out. I mean, the launchpad that you mentioned, one of the things that irks me about launchpad, as long as we're going down this road, is that it will have, sometimes an application, when you install it from a DMG file, it will not only have the application itself, but six ancillary applications that you're never going to launch, like... If you want to uninstall this file on Thursday afternoon, there's a special application called Uninstall Thursday. And, and, and you're never going to use that file, but yet it appears in Launchpad. And so all of a sudden I've installed something, and now I have 17 little mini applications that I'm never going to use that are cluttering up Launchpad. And, and you can go about deleting them sometimes, uh, but uh, even that can be awkward. So maybe developers will recognize that and start updating how they install apps Maybe there's a way to just, you know, eventually to say this is the only thing that's going to appear in Launchpad and the other stuff isn't going to appear there because you're not going to ever want to access it or you'll have to access it from the Finder. But until they do that, I'd like, you know, more flexibility. Exactly. Uh, one other thing that I don't know how many of you deal with these, uh, with AppleScript and Automator, but both of them are badly broken in, in Lion. Um, I was talking to, to somebody the other night who's an AppleScript expert and he he said, you know, I, I created all these scripts to work in Snow Leopard. They work beautifully, and they should work in Lion 2, and they don't. They're just broken, and they filed bug reports with Apple, and, and it doesn't work. Uh, Automator, there's an issue where if you create an Automator workflow, one of them you can create is, is called an iCal alarm. So you create your workflow, and, when, and this workflow will be triggered by iCal. So it's cool. So you can automatically run your workflow once a month, for example, or every week or something, so a backup script or something like that. As you're constructing your workflow, you may get three or four steps in, and suddenly it changes to a, a regular workflow instead of an iCal alarm. So you're not paying attention. The only indication is at the top of the window that it no longer says iCal alarm, now it just says workflow. So you've gone through all this trouble to create this thing. You click on Save, what should happen is that iCal should then open and, a, and an automator calendar created in this automator workflow appear there, and it doesn't. And so I wrote a couple of articles about this for Macworld, and I sent it to my editor, and she said, it, it doesn't work. This, this totally does not work. And I said, well, of course it works. And I tried it on a different machine. I hit that bug, and I said, oh, okay. So the solution is if you're doing this sort of stuff and you get this standard workflow instead of the iCal, you have to duplicate the workflow Keep working on it, and really, 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 as quick as you can, hit save before it changes back to a standard workflow. And and this uh, this is another bug that's been filed, and yet nothing's been done about it. So you're sort of waiting for, a, I think, a lot of things in Lion where we sort of hit these walls and things. We're not seeing 
some changes that, that I think should be made. Well, and that, the Apple script and automator situation is only going to get worse rather than better, not because of bugs, but because of an inherent restriction that Apple is placing. Some of you may know that coming supposedly this spring, I believe March or April, Apple is going to begin enforcing sandboxing on all the apps sold through the App Store, the Mac App Store, which, which means in brief that apps are going to have to be designed so that the only thing that they can influence are things contained within that app, much the way that iOS apps work. It's, it's an iOS-type characteristic that they're bringing to the Mac. And so that could mean, in theory, for instance, though there are some exceptions, that if you wrote a, an application that wanted to access the photos that are in your iPhoto library because you wanted to create some special effects and that was your app, that you wouldn't be able to do it because accessing the iPhoto library goes outside of your sandbox. And so Apple is going to, to compensate for that, Apple is going to allow for some exceptions on a case-by-case basis. When you submit an app to the App Store, you're actually going to have to say, I want this exception and I want that exception, and Apple is going to have to approve it. But the end result is going to be that all sorts of things like AppleScript and Automator, which involve having something, by almost by definition, having a particular app control other apps, are inevitably going to be broken. Right. We heard from Twitter. Yes, Twitter has a question uh, on one of our other topics. iTunes Match, which was released in October to great affair and great consternation, as there are some problems with it. There's a 25,000 track limit to matching your songs with iTunes. The question we have is from Lincoln Sean, and they say, I started using iTunes Match, and my my album art is always missing on my iPhone. How can I get it back consistently? There's a difficulty with the word consistency and iTunes Match. How many of you are using iTunes Match? How many of you are finding its performance completely consistent? For those who are watching at home, that would be nobody. No so hands at all. It's, uh, iTunes Match is, is just odd. I have found, and, and you may have as well, that I have lots of tracks in my, in my library, and I actually have t- more than 25,000, so I had to pare down my collection so that I could get it onto iTunes Match. Those are just songs that you wrote yourself. Right? Just, these are just my songs that happen to be available at the iTunes store. And, say, a Beatles album. I mean, what, what could be more universal than a Beatles album? It will get 12 of the tracks, but two of them don't match. What, what we call the she, she came in through the bathroom window effect. <laughs> exactly. So you had this problem. You wrote this stuff for Bugs and Fixes, right? Yeah, um, limitedly, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what did you find? Uh, I think I referred to Dan Morin's article on the subject because he had covered it better than I did. Um, there, there, I mean, you can... The, the end-all the end solution, I think there is a solution which I now forget that might work uh, reliably, but in, unless you can try the things like resetting the, the iTunes Match library uh, in, the, in the, I think it's in the advanced menu in iTunes, uh, uh, but ultimately most of those things aren't going to work. It's, it's an acknowledged bug on Apple's server end. It isn't anything that you're doing wrong, and so the ultimate solution is to wait for Apple to fix it so that, so that those things don't happen. There, there, there is a solution that I think was in that article I'm referring to that I can't recall right now that can possibly work on a case-by-case basis. But if you have it a lot, it isn't anything that you're going to want to do. Right, and I think just the general iTunes match fixes are, as Ted suggested, go into the advanced menu of iTunes, turn off iTunes match, flip it on again, and the same thing on your phone, turn it off so it all disappears, turn it back on, and maybe you'll get it this time. But... As Ted indicates, it's clearly a bug because a lot of people are having these problems mm-hmm. where your album art isn't showing up, 
certain tracks aren't being matched, but if you wait two weeks, then they are being matched. Mm-hmm. Or somebody with with a Beatles question said, well, you know, the if you had versions of your own and you ripped them, those don't match as well as if you got the very expensive box set mm-hmm. of either the mono or the stereo recordings and you rip them at 256 kilobits per second, those seem to match perfectly fine. So I think there's a little hanky-panky between EMI and, uh, and Apple where they say, well, we'll just force people to buy the expensive box set, and then they'll match perfectly. Uh, uh, just one other thing that, that happened with me with iTunes Match a lot. Maybe I bought a, like a Greatest Hits album, a CD, and I uploaded it to iTunes, and it's fine. It, it indicates it's the, the cover artist for the Greatest Hits, and everything is working fine. And then I will upload it to iTunes Match, and iTunes Match in its wisdom will start changing the references in the cover art to all the individual albums that the greatest hits came from. And so now my single greatest hits album now is represented by six different albums. Right. Oh, I think one thing that comes up a lot for Lion is that people don't have an install disc mm-hmm. for Lion, right? So you get it from the App Store, you've got it on your machine, you install Lion, and the Lion installer disappears. Mm-hmm. Right, so now your computer's not working. You can boot into Line by holding down I think, Command R, right, to boot directly yeah, yeah. into the HD recovery or partition. option, and then select it. Is the other at startup? Is the other thing you can do? Right, but then people say, "Well, but I want to reinstall Lion, but I don't want to re-download four gigabytes mm-hmm. again." So I know you did an extensive article mm-hmm. on that. So what's the trick? Well, the, the easiest thing to do is when you're done installing Lion, the Lion installer has been moved to the trash, which is why it's not there. And if you just drag it out of the trash before you empty the trash the next time, you can use it again. It's as simple as that. Right, but also you can you can create a a, a stick that has you know. Yes. Yeah. Sure. You, you can. You can, you can um, install, essentially, the Line software onto a USB stick. You can duplicate what, what would cost you, I believe, $69 if you bought it from Apple. Uh, I, I was at an Apple store, actually, talking to an Apple genius and when the stick, $69 stick came out. And I said, you know, there's a way that you can create the, the same thing on a USB stick yourself. Why would I want to spend $69 to get the Apple stick version? And he said, well, it has the Apple logo on it. And I said, so I said, said, okay, well, aside from that. Uh, yeah, so if you're one of those collect-em-all people, that's, 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 for 69 bucks, you can have a, a rare commodity. Mm-hmm. Because Did anybody buy that, the $69 mm-hmm. stick? A mm-hmm. couple did, people, did yeah. you really? Is it just because you wanted the little Apple logo? Mm-hmm. No, you just did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have a fairly extensive guide on Lion available on Macworld.com and also available on the iBook store that our own Dan Frakes, who is... Sadly, still not here. Uh, <laughs> wrote and he wrote this, this whole long article about about making your own USB drive if you want to make an installer for for Lion or whether you're upgrading from Snow Leopard and you want to do a clean install. All of those little things. Yeah, so. I have to give Dan a plug, even though he's not here. It was not only one article; it was like five or six articles. Yeah, and each I, of them I, I about the, 10, the amount of work words. that must have gone into those. I just because you know reinstalling is not like thirty seconds. And so if you want to check out, well, what, you know, you're sitting there saying, what would happen if I do this? Well, there goes another two hours. Uh, and the amount of time Dan must have spent uh, on doing that article is incalculable. It's really, I think it really was something like two weeks testing every single variation yeah, of it, installing Lion. And so. that, that's why we have Dan Frakes instead of me doing it. Because yes. I would never do right. Well, he's busy installing Lion now, which is why he's <laughs> clearly so he's, not here. He's, he's not done with his testing yet. working on finishing that article. <laughs> Uh, do you have other things? Do we have any other any tweets? You, again, those folks at home. Yeah. Are there any other questions online lurking out in the audience? 
Since I see you over there, I'm going to bring over the microphone and try and avoid the speakers because the bear. Terrible noise. All right, here you are, sir. Question I had with uh, iCloud using Lion. Uh, I, it screwed up my address book totally, and I'm not sure whether that's just my experience or whether that's a bug or not. Do you guys have any ideas about that? Uh, sc- screwed it up, meaning that, that you Con- don't have contacts any... Contacts disappeared. When, uh-huh. I, when I went to sync them across through iCloud into mm-hmm. other devices, then I lost contacts. Contacts got mislabeled. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure what you can do now. Chris may have some more ideas, but um, you know, in, in hindsight, I mean, there, you, you should always have a backup. Uh, and and not, only, not only should you have a backup like when you back up your whole drive to Time Machine type backup, but, but Address Book has an option to archive the Address Book. And before I would install anything like iCloud that could potentially mess things up, create a new archive. So if anything goes wrong, you can go back to it. It's a little late to be telling you that now. Um, what you can do now, I... I I don't have an immediate suggestion. It would depend on, exa- you know, is there a backup that you have that you're not aware of? Is it in the cloud somehow that you could re-download it back to your, back to your Mac? I'm not sure. You'd have to, I'd have to start looking around and see what your particular situation is. You might have some other ideas. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it. If you, it's possible that you synced your contacts and, and events with Google at some point, and you've forgotten you've done it. No, no good. Yeah, I... Apple is, has done this online effort, you know, in various iterations. And I think with all iCloud, we all thought, oh, well, this is going to be it. And this is going to be the right one. Syncing must be a devilishly difficult thing to do because Apple still hasn't quite got it right. Unfortunately, I think, you know, it's, it's the preventive measure that you're after, which is before you do anything where you're trusting iCloud to do your syncing, you must have a backup of your address book. You must have a backup of your events. If worst comes to worst, and I think it's much better than it once was, at least you've got somewhere to go back to. If you, if you don't have that, you can either start visiting all the places they might be, which is maybe they're on your phone, maybe they're on your iPod Touch, maybe they're on your iPad, maybe they're on iCloud itself, and try to get them from there. But... I mean, at that point, it's all so fluid. You're sort of afraid to do anything because, oh, I found them there. I'll just try this. And then they're zapped from there because it sinks this way instead of that way. And you've lost that stuff. So backup is so vital anyway, but particularly in this case because recreating our context database is... It's yeah, miserable. You, it's, you it's so hard to do. Sometimes you have to get into things. And again, I, I'm the details get beyond what I want to talk about here anyway. But, but what Chris is saying... When you're syncing between two devices, it will uh, Apple's syncing software will typically want to replace the older modification with the newer modification. So if deleting everything is the most recent thing that you did, and you sync between a device that still ha- miraculously has your contacts, it's going to go, oh, oh, he wanted to delete everything. And so it'll, it'll all get deleted. So if you find the contacts before you do anything like that, Make, find some way to back them up, and then you have to try to figure out some way, which there are ways, to, to fool the system into thinking that you want to go in the desired direction, not the delete everything direction. 
Yeah, iCloud, iCloud is difficult because on some levels it works extremely well. Uh, iCloud backup seems to work extremely well for my phone in terms of getting everything done. I had to restore it. While Dan Frakes was doing his Lion installs, I was doing a bunch of iCloud tests on an iPhone and an iPad and an iPod Touch. And I seem to be able to restore those fine, no problem. But when it comes to the actual syncing processes, it's a little bit more difficult. So while we're on the topic of iOS devices, I want to turn it more to just iOS 5 problems and things like that. We've got a, a commenter from Twitter who wrote in about Game Center, which I know, you know, we've, we've written a couple, uh, our own Dan Warren has written a couple of articles on Game Center and how, while it's a nice start from Apple, it doesn't necessarily have the flashbang features of something like Microsoft's Xbox Live or something like that. Uh, our, this particular question is from Joe Coles, and he says, I launch a game connected to Game Center. It takes a long time for the drop-down to appear, and they lag. I have restored my phone. What do I do? Uh, in terms of Game Center connections, sometimes, like iCloud, it's not quite a fully baked system. So you're going to probably have to try a couple times. Uh, you might want to check your Wi-Fi connection or check your 3G connection. Sometimes I know there's a game that we all like to play in the office uh, that we've mostly all succumbed to called Super Stickman Golf, uh, which has four-player multiplayer via Game Center. And there was a good while, I want to say the first like couple months that we were playing, where it would just, we get all four people connected, and then for whatever reason, it would just poof out of existence. So usually the best thing to do in terms of, and this is going to sound very silly after the debate, but force quitting Game Center, force quitting one app, or force quitting the app that you have open, the specific game, can sometimes re- redo that. Uh, for those of you in the audience or those of you out there who don't know how to force quit a particular app that's misbehaving, you just click and hold down the, uh, the home button on your iOS device, and it pulls up all of these, this little multitasking shelf of apps. Tap and hold, and that app will jiggle, and then you can just press a little delete button in the upper left-hand corner. Uh, the reason why I said that this is perhaps a little bit uh, controversial advice to give is that there's been some some debate lately about whether or not you should force quit your apps. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of chatter about it. Um, I think John Gruber's talking an awful lot about it and just saying it's nonsense. That there's, I think in his instance, he's saying, well, you're not really saving any um, any processing power. You know, there aren't really apps churning away in the background, so that's not slowing down your phone, and that's not interfering with it. And yet, if you go to the Apple Store, and you go to the Genius Bar, and they say, oh, but have you, have you been forced quitting your apps? Because, you know, that's a problem. And the best sort of experts outside of Apple are saying, eh, you know, that really doesn't do anything. Uh, it's sort of like saying, well, you should repair permissions, and that will wash your car. And it's not always the case. So... In in a case like that where I don't think there's any harm in doing it, what the heck? Don't announce to the rest of the world you're doing it because then people will get in a fight with you because they like to because it's the Internet. But why not? I mean, oftentimes the best thing to do is just restart your device, and that clears up so many problems. Uh, and uh, I, I would I would disagree with John Gruber uh, on on that. But it may it may it may not be the, that force quitting an app will improve the overall speed of your iPhone. Uh, and certainly, no matter you'd have to quit a lot of apps 
who are doing, which are doing practically nothing in terms of processing power anyway. I mean, if you start scrolling through that list, every app that you've ever opened since the last time you restarted the, uh, the iPhone is there. So I wouldn't do it as some general fix, but I've had many, many times when I've had a problem specific to an app. Like maybe, I'm, maybe I, I launched the New York Times app and it doesn't, and it's still showing last week's news stories, and it's not updating to this one. And and I quit it, and I relaunch it, and I quit it, not force quit it, just go back to the home screen, and and it's just not updating, and nothing seems to be wrong with the network connection or anything. I can force quit the app, restart it, and bingo, it'll launch today's today's paper. Right. Um, so those sort of things happen all the time. So I can't see how you can argue that it's not having any effect. Yeah, well, I, I, I think his complaint was more specific to performance. But certainly, yeah, if you need to refresh <clears throat> content, then, then that's the way to do it. Exactly. There's a, very, there's a distinct difference when we talk about force quitting your apps between the people who pull up the multitasking bar and say, I'm going to force quit every single one of my apps because my phone is slow and I think that will help. And while you, have, you may have two or three apps that are actually active, the rest of your apps are either in a passive state, which means they're not running. They're basically just saved to the local mm. memory so that if you tap them, they'll open more quickly or they're in running in a backgrounded state, which means they have specific tasks that they're doing. So say they're playing music, like in the case of Pandora or the music app, they're playing music in the background. Um, so those have like a small amount of processing power. So if you're force quitting your apps just for processing power, you're not really going to see any improvement and it's not necessarily something that you need to waste time doing, especially because those apps can just stack up there after a while. You don't need to go over that. If it's a specific app that's causing you problems, force quit, and you have launched it recently, and it's active memory, and it's just hanging, force quitting may be the answer. I have a Twitter question that's really good, because I covered this for, uh, for the magazine, Mac911. This is from Plush Dog, who says, I have an iPhone 4S battery that runs out in about 12 hours. <laughs> Plush Dog, you are one lucky guy. <laughs> What's the complaint? That's what. I- <laughs> yeah, exactly. You say it's so great. So uh, I've tried location services, screen light. Uh, how can I get my battery to last longer than twelve hours on a four S? Are you kidding me, dude? Tweet me back and tell me how you're doing it because I would love to know. If I use this thing a lot, and as I have been this week, I'm good for about six hours. And it starts running hot. And I've got a Mophie juice pack on here, so I flip that on and it gets me through the rest of the day. But 12 hours is pretty darn good for a 4S. I mean, if it's just sitting there and you're not doing anything to it, it runs out in 12 hours, that's not good. Right. But um, if you're using it, that, you know, 12 hours is, is pretty darn good. Yeah, it's very hard to generalize because, as you say, I mean, uh, there are days when my iPhone spends most of the day in, in my pocket and, and I hardly ever use it, and it can go two days before I need to recharge the battery under those cases. But, but if I'm actively using it, 12 hours would be great. So. Yeah. So there, there are a couple of things you can look at to diagnose battery issues. There are a few apps um, that will detail the processes running on your phone. One of them called System Activity. It's 99 cents. Uh, I was on a trip, and I'd just gotten this thing. And I was at the beach, and um, it was running really hot. I mean, I was outdoors anyway, so it was like, okay, well, maybe this is ambient temperature. But I had it in the shade, and I pulled it out of my pocket, and it was apparently doing nothing. 
But it was really hot, and I could watch it tick down. Like every minute, I'd lose a percentage point. So after half an hour, I'd lost you know 25 to 30 percent of this phone's battery, doing nothing as far as I could tell. But I looked in the processes, and I discovered that there was a looping process. And what was happening is that it was kept trying to sync contacts back and forth to iCloud over 3G, which just burned up the battery in no time. So I found that if I turned off contact syncing. That stopped. It all went away. Then uh, and I had a conversation with John Gruber. I guess he comes up in every conversation. And um, name dropper. It, yeah, I know. I'm, I do, I'm getting. I'm fishing for those daring fire, fireball links. Um, he suggested that maybe there was a, a corrupt contact, and so I went through and I resynced my contact, so I had a fresh copy, and then it wasn't a problem. So that was one thing for me. There was some kind of corruption. So look at your processes if that seems to be an issue. Other things that they're the normal things, you know, have your screen go to sleep every minute instead of every five minutes. Three um, G seems to be a problem when you're hitting data on there. That seems to suck it badly. Yeah, the, the other thing that I always have to watch out for is our GPS navigation devices. Uh, like I have Navigon, which I really like, and in the first time I used it, I was I was using it for a long trip I was taking, and, and then I wanted to do something else, I don't know, listen to music, play a game, whatever, and because and, and, we were stopped, I don't remember, but in any case, it was a situation where I left the navigation going while I did other things on the iPhone, and then I just stuck it in my pocket and came back later, and, and the machine was dead, and I had to, had to recharge it, because having that navigation route constantly checking through the GPS system is a tremendous drain on the battery. So if you see that location services icon in the status bar, and if it's purple, I guess, is the, is the active color, uh, you want to find out what's doing, and you don't think that you're doing anything that should cause that icon to stay there indefinitely, you want to find out what's going on, because it'll drain your battery. And on that note, there's also things, if you're in a place like last week, I was in, or I guess two weeks ago, I was at CES, uh, where the 3G signal, while full, was being used by so many people that the phone just couldn't connect. And in that case, I lost battery about three times as fast as I normally did because I was, when I kept on trying to either check Twitter or send a message or something like that, the phone was basically trying to run a marathon with lead weights on. It's like, oh, I want to send your email, but it's very hard. So if you're in a place with low 3G connectivity or edge connectivity, things like that, you might also want to watch out, especially even if your phone's just lying dormant in your pocket or on a nightstand, something like that, if it's somewhere where it has to search for 3G signal, it's going to slowly, passively drain your battery. Uh, we have another tweet here from um, David Dodd, who says, Hello, how can I watch Macworld without my employer noticing? <laughs> David, dude, you're taking the wrong approach. One, you want your employer to notice that you're doing this because you're getting training for your job. I don't care what you're doing. At a, you know, regardless of what your job is, say, I am getting training here for free instead of you having to pay for it. So I'm helping the company by getting this free training. So you should reward me at the end of the year for doing this. And then there's this other thing called telecommuting. You may want to try it. I, I do. I, I have to go to the office uh, twice a year. Yeah, I don't think we've seen you for quite a few months. No, many months. And, and because I'm getting so much training... While I'm at work. So, uh, David, just, uh, you know, this is not something to hide. This is something to embrace. So, uh, so please, and, and thank you. I work at home and generally like it, uh, except that it means that I don't get to listen to any podcasts on my way to work because uh, I'm, I'm there as soon as I walk out of the kitchen. But. 
That is trouble. I find when I'm working at home, listening to podcasts usually happens either while washing dishes or while doing a completely brainless activity. Like if I'm folding laundry or washing dishes or cleaning the floor or something like that. But when it actually comes to working, it just doesn't work so well. We have more tweets. Oh, boy. Uh, these, and actually, it turns out when you, when you talk about battery issues in iOS devices, it hits a nerve because we're just getting like an onslaught of stuff. Uh, this, this company apparently wants its name said over the Internet, and I'm not going to. Ha, 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 ha. So what's the uh, biggest drain issue with an iPad? So I've, I've had a lot of drain issues with this, but not so much. Have you had a problem with an iPad? No, much less so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, again, with, if I'm using a navigation device on the iPad, it'll drain the same way as on an iPhone. But uh, I think uh, a lot of the problems, as you're suggesting, come from 3G connection. And if, if you're using an iPad that doesn't have 3G or you're staying on the Wi-Fi network most of the time, which I tend to do with my iPad, uh, you'll have less battery drain problems. It has a yeah, larger you're battery. right. It has two batteries in yeah, it, yeah, so it has it's, a larger it's big. So it can withstand more. That's true, too. And then there's... a. Paul McDougall says, uh, try draining the battery completely a few times and reset the power manager calibration. Is that voodoo? I haven't found that that's helpful on iPad. I mean, that, 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 that's, that's a common bit of advice for MacBooks, uh, and uh, at least on some MacBook batteries, I think that's helpful. I think the batteries that are in the iPad now, that really isn't going to help that much. I, I know on Apple's website, on one of their battery pages, they suggest every once in a while letting the battery run down and, and then re- rebooting it again. Um, but I, I, I've never found it to be helpful myself. All right. I, I think we can file that one under, under uh, what the heck. Try it, it. Why not? Give it a try and let us know. I mean, Paul may, you know, Paul, you can, you're welcome to tweet me back and say, no, really, it, this really, really works. And, and I'll take your word for it. Um, yeah, I mean, suppose if you have a battery that's draining like in a half hour or something like that, and you're on the verge of buying a new battery, and you say, well, you know, maybe if I just let it go to zero and reboot it, it might help. Why not give it a try? But if you have a battery that's behaving fairly normally, I haven't found it to have any dramatic improvement. So. Anybody out here having battery issues with their iOS devices? One. Oh, there. Really? Just one, two, three. Okay. Well, good. Three. Oh, I, didn't even, I didn't even know there were people over here. It's the first yeah, time. There's people, yeah, there's people. And one of them is having a bit. Oh, and Hello, they're people waiting. over in the corner. Oh, nice. okay. So does anybody out there have any questions about their iOS devices? Anything that's befuddling them? Anything that's going wrong? Over there. I'm going to come over and give you the microphone. Just one moment. So I, I finally um, updated to 5.0.1. I have a 3GS. Closer? Yeah. So I have a 3GS. I finally updated to 5.0.1, and I couldn't do it through iTunes because I kept getting the minus 50 error, and I did this workaround where you download the file separately, and now my battery is worthless, and the phone is super slow, and Apple support told me that I had the wrong version, but that wasn't true, and now they want me to restore again. But they don't know if that's going to work. Is there anything that really will work? Well, um, if, if you're really having a bad battery problem, I would be, I'd probably try the restore at that point uh, to, to at least give it a try. The, min- the, the minus 50 error, and I actually think I wrote an article about it, though I can't recall exactly which one that, that is right now. But Apple has a document 
that lists, uh, you may have looked at it already, which lists all the numerical errors, and the solutions vary depending upon which number you get. And so uh, if you start getting an error, I'd certainly look at that document to see which thing it's recommending. But at this point, it's probably too late for that, and so I, I, I would restore. Yeah, I don't know. Would you? Yeah, I think so too. And, and, and let's remember primarily the most important thing that device does is your phone. And if you have a dead battery and you can't make a call or receive a call when you really, really need to, it's great that you may have all the iOS 5 features, but you've got basically a worthless phone. You might as well get an iPod Touch if you can't use it as a phone. So in that case, I would restore because that's you really want it to work as a phone when you need it. And my, my, my personal pre- preference maybe isn't the right word, but when I, I've gotten stuff like that minus 50 error, and my... My persistent attitude in those things is to solve it somehow, uh, not to find a way to, to work around it. Because my feeling is if I'm getting that minus 50 error, there's something wrong. And so to find a way to get it to install despite that the error is still there may ultimately not get rid of whatever was wrong to begin with. And so before I go to some odd workaround like you're suggesting, I want to keep plugging away until I can actually get the minus 50 error to go away and install it properly. And I'll search the web for, you know, for hours looking for solutions that, that, that people have come up with until I find one that works. So that minus 50 error is because the signal's being dropped? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the... The Apple response to it, I mean, that was what I looked. I looked on the web tirelessly to find some kind of, mm-hmm. you know, workaround. And what they said is that you just have to keep trying to restore, but that restore process takes forever just to get started so that you could go, you know, 40 minutes and then it says, oh, minus 50 errors, start again, you know, try again. Mm-hmm. And it's just really just too time-consuming. Mm-hmm. Do you have a laptop? No. Oh. Because I was going to suggest if you live somewhere where you have an Apple store nearby, yeah. you just go in there with your laptop and say, fine, make it work. <laughs> and then they have to say, you know, because they'll say, oh, yeah, all you have to do is this. Okay, do it. You know, they may not like it, but at right. least, you know, you have the option to do that. Right. Well, a- Apple support basically said I have an old phone and maybe I should just get a newer one. <laughs> well, of course. Just <laughs> buy what odd advice that is. Right. Buy more Apple stuff, huh? That's, right. that, that's always a great solution for Apple. <laughs> <laughs> Not so great solution for anybody else. Anybody else in this section have any questions before I walk away? No? Okay. That's great. All toward- your stuff is working really well. That's, that's terrific. I'm amazed. Well, because I, I'm the guy, the timekeeper here because I'm managing this stage. Okay. Oh, wait. We have another stage. You can actually... Oh, are we out of time? We have, we have six or four minutes left. Ah, we do. So why don't we talk a little bit more about just iCloud solutions and iTunes Match solutions in terms of what you can do when you're trying... If you're not quite ready yet to move forward to iCloud, what are some things to you know ease the process and get your Mac ready, get your iOS device ready so that... You may not run into as many problems as some people have merging and updating to iCloud, going to iTunes Match. You had a couple things on managing high track limits for iTunes Match, Chris. Oh, the track limit. Well, it, is there anybody out here who has more than 25,000 tracks? Legally? <laughs> All right. Just checking. And use you at home? Um, yeah, for most people, you know, they think, well, 25,000 tracks... Come on, who has that much music? Who is it? Uh, a thief. 
And, it, and it's, you know, that's not true. That we've been, I'll, I'm a music collector. I've been collecting music forever. I've ripped a bunch of CDs. I get the South by Southwest torrents, and they're legal. And, you know, that's several thousand tracks per year. So I, I have a lot of these tracks. Well, one thing you do with iTunes Match is that one trick is it will match songs that are, that are marked as music. But if you change them, if you select the ones you don't want to match, you change them to voice memos. And when you do that, they're ignored by iTunes Match, and that's one way you can knock down your library. Another thing is you can create a new library, so quit iTunes, hold down the option key, launch iTunes, and it will ask if you want to create a new library. Yes, I do. You'll get a blank library. At that point, you can choose the music that you want to put in that library, which you will then sync with iTunes Match, and therefore it becomes available to these devices. So you have to trick it. I mean, it would be nice if, if Apple said, oh, okay, if you have more music than this, give us an extra 25 bucks, and you can have 50,000 tracks or 100,000 tracks, or you can have as many as you want. We don't care. Um, and then in terms of just preparing yourself for, for iCloud, I think what we offered this gentleman before, have a backup, just in case anything goes wrong. You're, yeah, you haven't lost your data. Especially if you're going from mobile me to iCloud, which, uh, which is a tricky thing for the, for for the Apple hardware to do, and back up your calendar appointments, back up your contacts, back up whatever you can from MobileMe. I know when I did it, um, my my wife and I were syncing our calendars together, except uh, from separate accounts. We were using BusyCal, and uh, and we followed exactly the procedure. It all worked fine for me, I guess, because the computer is afraid of me or something like that. But then when we did it for my wife, all of her calendar disappeared, gone, uh, and. Fortunately, I was able to get it back because I found a local copy of it some someplace that that they hadn't been able to destroy. But for about a half a day, it looked like all of her calendar appointments were gone, and she didn't want to upgrade to begin with because her her attitude is any change is bad, uh, and and so now she said. You know, now she was about ready to kill me because I'm telling her how much better it's going to be with iCloud, and better turns out to be no calendar at all for a while. So uh, you want to make sure that, that you have the stuff backed up. Yeah, it's important to note also that if you want to switch over to iCloud and you haven't yet, your computer either needs to be running Lion and your iOS devices need to be running iOS 5, or if your computer's running Snow Leopard, there are a variety of ways that you can kind of make iCloud work, certain parts like your mail and your calendars and your contacts, but you're going to have to requ- you're going to have to use a whole lot more complicated situation whereas iCloud and Lion is built right into the preferences uh, system preferences. But on Snow Leopard, it's a little bit more complicated than that. So you just want to keep that in mind. Okay, I have a final thing from Twitter, and, and, and that gets to wrap up for us, even though I'm not really the moderator, so I shouldn't do that. Um, somebody, Telegraph, is asking, are you guys going to post the Ustream videos from Expo somewhere? It's called Macworld iWorld, by the way, not Expo. Um, because some people can't watch live at home. Apparently you are watching because you know to tweet us. But for those of you who are not watching us at home right now and would like to know where to see this, uh, yeah, we are going to be actually we're going to be taking some of the audio streams from this and posting them as podcasts over the next couple of weeks. And we also have some of these videos will be offered as the Macworld video. So if you go to either to the um, Macworld.com main page, you will find links when we start posting this stuff. We also have a YouTube channel. And for our podcasts and video podcasts, you can go to the iTunes store and you can subscribe to the stuff there and it will just download to your computer and, and your iOS devices.
And with that, I think we are just about out of time. I would like to thank my lovely, lovely guests, Chris Breen and Ted Landau. And I would like to publicly I'm, scorn Dan Frakes for not showing up once more. <laughs> I, was, I was going to accept the award on his behalf. But, uh, you know what, Ted, you can be an honorary De- Dan Frakes for the, for the afternoon. It's afternoon, right? But you have to shave your head. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming and for your questions. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. And that wraps up this special Macworld iWorld episode of the Macworld Podcast. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 415-967-3622. This is Chris Breen reminding you that you can find more Apple, macOS, iOS, and technology news, views, and information at macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening.